to church. Welcome everybody. Welcome to Hill City Church. If you are new here, if you're a guest with us today, welcome. We welcome you. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Happy Palm Sunday to everyone. Yes, it's exciting. No, it's, it's, it's the start of an incredible journey. And um, Palm Sunday is a day that we celebrate the day that um, Jesus was honored and revered and people saw him as a king and a savior as he was entering into Jerusalem and he was riding on a little donkey people were waving palm branches and they were laying down their clothes and they were shouting Hosanna in the highest and they were they were praising him and it's today's the start of uh, what we call Holy Week and it's almost as if we are we are marching toward the cross and and the victory of the resurrection and Jesus knew it all. He knew He knew what he was doing when he entered into Jerusalem. He knew that those very people that were shouting hallelujah, that were, they were exalting him and calling him their king and their savior, that those very same people would be the same people to betray him and send him to the cross. And still he chose, he chose to go. And even today, we are, so like those people we can be lost and broken and so desperately in need of a savior and not even realize it or understand the love of that savior or the love of the God who sent that savior who knew from the beginning of time that he would send that savior to complete that work on the cross to completely eliminate death forever and like I said he chose it while we were still in our sin while we still desperately needed that savior he chose he chose to be that savior for us so today I just want to focus on him I want to focus on our savior and revere him today as our king amen
You are matchless in grace and mercy. There is nowhere we can hide from your love. You are steadfast, never failing. You are faithful. And all creation is in all of who you are. You're the healer of the sick and the broken. And you are comfort for every heart that mourns. Cause you are King and our Savior forever. Thank you, Jesus. For eternity, we will sing of all you've done. eternity we will sing of all you've done come on and we sing God with us God for us nothing can come against no one can stand between us God Holy Spirit, for 
this together. Where there was death, you brought life, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And where there was fear, you brought courage. And when I was afraid, you were with me. And you led to me. You led to me. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing that again. Where there was death, you brought life, Lord. Where there was fear, you brought courage. And when I was afraid, you were with me. And you led to me. You led to me. You guys listening to those words? You brought life, Lord. That's the truth, guys. Where there was fear, we all face death in some form or another, but God, God wants to lift us up. When I was afraid, when we do, we become fearful, guys. Because I stand up here and I, I sing those words with passion because I faced much death and much fear in my life. God is for us, guys. That's what this song's about. That Jesus, as, as Jen talked about, Jesus knew he was walking into Jerusalem for, for the praise, but a week later they would crucify him. But it's because he's for us, guys. So we're going we're gonna to sing this again, but I really want you guys to sing that out because God is for you. And, and you don't need to fear. You don't need to fear death because he brings life. His death brought life. Where we're afraid, he is, he is our shelter, our fortress in times of, of trouble and hurt and pain. And he loves us dearly, man. There's a lot of people going through a lot right now, but no, God is your shelter. So let's sing this out, church. Let's really sing that out, God, that we trust him.
God hand, amen. Come on, shout it for just a few seconds. Come on. We worship you, Lord. Amen, amen. You guys can be seated. Good morning. Tell the person next to them, Buenos dias. That means good afternoon. No, I'm just kidding. Good day. Awesome. Welcome to Hill City Church. If it's your first time, welcome. We love having you guys. And uh, man, we're, uh, I need some music. Yeah, there we go. It'll make me sound better. Just kidding. Well, maybe it will. But man, it's just, uh, there's so much to unpack in that song. And I, I, you know, the reason why we worship, guys, is uh, sometimes you come in here and you're just like, I just need to worship, right? And you're like, I'm not, I'm in a, I need this. <laughs> I need this. And other times, uh, the expectation and the hope is that throughout the week, you've been in the Word. We were talking about this last night as, as a leadership team, that you're in prayer, that you're in the Word throughout the week, so that when you come on a Sunday, it's more of a celebration. Does that make sense? So that when you come, you're like, I've learned all this truth this week, I've experienced God, and I get to, I get to respond in worship. And I was singing that song, God with us, God for us. And I was thinking sometimes, Man, God, am I with you? I know you're for me, you know? Jason, so good to see you. It's a nice vest you're wearing. But, man, am I with God, right? Just ask yourself that question sometimes. This isn't supposed to be shaming, but, man, there is an absolute relationship in this thing that we call faith, this thing that we call Jesus and Christianity. And, man, as we sing that song, and um, I just love that song. There's so much in that theologically. But, uh, man, I just pray that we, we have that, that feeling that we respond to God. Amen? Amen. Ushers, you guys can come forward. We're going to continue in our worship. And uh, Candace, I don't know if she's here, but I wanted her to give. Oh, she's coming. She's socializing. No, just kidding. She's, uh, she's not a very social person, so she's kind of shy. And, but uh, I wanted her to give a few announcements to, uh, for next week. Uh, next week is, uh, if you're not aware, it's this thing we call Easter Sunday, and it's a big deal, and we are doing some really exciting things next week, so uh, at a high level, I'll give some more hours, and you give some more details, so we got our cool slide at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., so slight modification to the schedule. Uh, if you come here at 10.30, uh, you'll be fine, because we have 10.30 all the time, but we have options next week. Say Options. I don't know why I made you emphasize options. That's a really lame word to say. But 9 o'clock next week and 10.30 is our Easter Sunday. And, uh, man, it's going to be a good Sunday, man. And we're going to fill out this place, and we're going to present the gospel of Jesus to this community, to people, and uh, about hope, about life, and there's life and death. And we, we choose life this morning. And, um, man, I just love that. There's hope, and that's our Easter message. So, um, Candace, why don't you come on up and uh, give a few announcements. I guess we can pray over the offering. Okay, we'll pray real quick. Okay, we could do it after, never mind. <laughs> we'll pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for everyone in this place, God, and just their willingness to give, God, in whatever way that they're able to give. And um, we just thank you that you're going to bless that and bless these men that are willing to serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry. All right, how are you guys? Good. Happy Palm Sunday. You guys can go ahead. Thank you so much. Um, 
So we do have two services. It's our first time ever having two services for Hill City Church. So we are super excited. We were like, if any day is the day to try it, it is Easter. Because I don't know if you remember last year, but we were like stealing chairs from Hill City kids and like classrooms and and we were all sweating because we were sitting so close to each other. And so we thought it would be a good idea to try two services. So with that being said, if you're able to come to the nine o'clock service and you're one of our regulars, we'd love to see you at that service because a lot of our visitors um, will come to 1030. So if you're able to do that, that is amazing. Um, if you're not, that's okay too. We will see you when you get here. And um, one other thing. So we're going to actually be doing like a a little Easter egg hunt for the kids during service. So it's their surprise. And so um, we do need a little bit of help in some areas like kids and maybe the parking lot and um, preschool, things like that. And so if you are willing to maybe come to the nine o'clock service and help at the 1030 service, that would be great or vice versa. Um, the lovely Christina Vargas, if she would please stand, um, will be outside. Yes, let's give her a hand. She's great. Um, she always offers to help with signups on Sunday mornings, which is amazing. Um, so she will be outside with signups for Easter. So you can sign up for, if there's a specific area you'd like to help, you can, or if you're just willing to help wherever, you can sign up and we will contact you. So we're just really excited and we want you to be a part of that with us because Easter is definitely, I think John says that Paul calls it like Super Bowl Sunday for church. So we want you here. We want your family here. Invite your neighbors, invite your mom, invite your dad, invite everyone. And um, we want to celebrate Easter with you. It's going to be amazing. And most of all, just like Paul said, um, God is going to be made known. It's not really about Hill City being made known, right? It's not really about John or Candace or whoever's leading that day. It's really about God being made known to those people that only walk in these doors one time a year sometimes, but they will bring their whole family. So we want your help in doing that. So if you're like, I don't know what I can do, you can greet. You can smile, right? Everybody can smile. Everybody smile at me. All right, yeah, you're looking good. See, so you've already got greeting down. So we would just love um, for you to join us on Sunday for Easter. And if you'd love to help, you can definitely sign up after service. Thank you, guys. Give my wife a hand. All right, all right. I love this. Perfect. Good morning. All right. Thank you, Paul. I got, I got my bread here and my cup. But welcome. Uh, if you're a guest, my name is John. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, next week, like Paul said, like everyone said, it's Easter. And uh, it's just, it's a great opportunity to invite people. I know you heard that many times. But this is a, a, a read that right, right there. What does that say? Two words. Say that one more time. Oh, man, you guys are still weak. I could say louder than you with this mic. One more time. Bold moves. Bold moves. That is how you got the lady next to you. Let, let me tell you. At some point, you made a bold move and you're like, you said you, you sucked it up and you're like, I need to do something beyond myself. I need to go beyond myself and stretch a little and make a bold move. Everything in life that matters, there's a moment where you have to step into it and stretch. Stretch a little bit. Stretch. Just don't hit someone in the face, all right? Yeah, stretch. All right. Oh, this feels good. I need to stretch. Can't stretch this arm, but so, oh, this feels good. Yeah, you, we all need to stretch a little bit. 
Maybe someone, invite someone who maybe not go to church or know Jesus at all. For some reason, Paul was saying people culturally come to Easter. And so, especially in Colorado, it's very interesting. Coloradans do Easter. I didn't know that until I got here. I was like, man, it's packed out in Easter. So it's a time of stretching. Ask someone to come with you. We have these little flyers out in the lobby, and as you guys are leaving, take five of them. Just give five out. How hard is five? It's not that hard. You're like, it's hard. I'm going to tell you it's not that hard because I want you to think eternally. Just for a moment, think eternally. Just take five, give out five, believing that Jesus is the best thing for their life. That's what we believe. We believe Jesus is absolutely the best thing for people's lives or we would not do this. This is a lot of work, right, to put things together. But we do it to present the word of God. We do it so people would come together and live life in unity uh, and, and would bring glory to God and would bring life to people. And that's why we do this. This is not the main thing. The main thing is Jesus. Nothing about Hill City. That's great. We got a cool sign and a giant lion head and says bold moves. That's all great as long as it brings honor and glory to God. As long as it brings, we focus on Jesus because only Jesus transforms lives. That's it. We can say whatever we want, but when Jesus moves in, he comes and he transforms lives. And he does it again and again and again. He did it for me and he did it for all of us in this room or many of us in this room. And you might be here just checking things out. And what we want to introduce you to is Jesus. That's what we want to introduce you to. So welcome. Welcome. And we are on part three of the message series called Follow Me. Say follow me. Follow me is all about the last words and the last teachings that Jesus had for his disciples, his students, his learners. They were these guys who walked with Jesus for three years of their lives. And these were the last teachings on the final day before Jesus went to the cross. And we talked, uh, of, uh, of, and this is the third one on follow me, hearing the teachings of Jesus. And I want to say this. Jesus makes an offer to all of us. And he's making an offer to you today. He says, if anyone wants to live this life to the fullest and come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. And this is so flip-flop because everything we do is save your life. Oh, hold it back. Hold back so that you have some for you. And, and what Jesus is saying, no, go all in. If you want to understand Christianity, you can't do some. you got to go all in. you gotta, you got to jump off a cliff. That's what I, I, I think about it. Faith is like, is like a free fall. You just don't, it's just like, it's just leaning back and going for it. Yeah, you want to catch me, Paul? No, I don't trust you. <laughs> no, but faith is like taking a giant leap. Has anyone done like uh, um, base jumping or like cliff jumping into water or anything like that? Yeah, some of you guys are wild like that. Uh, but it, when you're jumping off a 30, 40-foot platform into water or whatever you're going to jump into, you can't kind of jump or you'll fall and hurt yourself. You got to just go all the way in. You got to leap out. And in the same way, I want you to take a leap of faith in Christ, trusting your whole life in him. Because this is what he, Jesus is saying. And I said it last week. He's saying to you and me, come at me, bro. 
Come at me, bro. Just come at me. If you would, I can handle your life if if you would come after me. Your past, I can handle your past. I can handle your problems. I can handle your fears. I can handle your future. If you would just trust me, I will take full responsibility for the outcome of your life. Come at me. Come at me. That's what he's saying. Do you trust me? I believe every person has a longing for more than living just this life. I I absolutely believe it. We come to an end of ourselves. You can put into your life as much as you want, as much self-help as you want, as much money as you want. You can just pour into your life. But at some point, we say, we all say it. And if you're not there yet, you're still in your 20s, all right? You say it to yourself. You say, there must be more. I'm telling you, you will come to a place in your life where you say, there must be more. And I'm telling you, there is. There is. There is a a longing in each of us, a search for significance, for a greater purpose, a desire to be fully known and fully loved, right? A craving somewhere in us for eternity. I call that God. It's craving for God, for purpose, intimacy, and eternity. There must be more. And I'm telling you, there is. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Today's message takes us to the table at the Last Supper, and that's why I have this set up right here. I'm going to pray, and we're going to run right into this. Heavenly Father, I pray more than anything that you would reveal Jesus, that you would just reveal your Son, God, in every place of the Bible, from the beginning to the end, that we would acknowledge that you have been, you have always been, and you'll always be, Lord God. It starts with Jesus, it will be, it will be empowered by Jesus, and it will end with Jesus, Lord God. And I pray today that people would experience and encounter your word, and it would open up some part of their life that they would hunger and thirst for you today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen, amen. So I want to ask with a question. This message is called At the Table, right? That's nice, At the Table. And I want to ask us a question, and this is an internal question. Why did Jesus come, right? Why did Jesus come? I think this is a question we constantly answer every Sunday. Jesus came to give us life to the fullest. He came to serve. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to seek and save the lost. He came for the sinner and not the righteous. He came for the sick and not the healthy, right? That's the why he came. We talk a lot about the why. But I want to ask us, how did Jesus come? How? Because how gives us context to the why. How gives us the understanding of how of, of the why. And but uh, G, this is how Jesus came. The, the Jesus came as a normal Jewish dude, very normal. They said you would look upon him, you would even not know anything about him to his look, for his looks. He was a part of a family. He worked in carpentry for most of his life. Think about that. He was a carpenter for 30, for probably 20 years of his life. He wasn't like, hey, dude, I'm just Jesus, I'm the Messiah. No, most of his life, until he was 30 to 33 years old, he was a carpenter. He was the guy who came over and fixed your tables and fixed your chairs. And, he, and people would be like, Jesus, you're running a really good carpentry business. Think about that. He ran a business. He was normal like us. He, he, that was him. And he faced everyday hardships. 
We like that. We like to say Jesus came like, uh, like the, with the halo on his head, and he flew like he like levitated across the room, right? And he's like, and 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 that's how we would think that Jesus came. No, he came with rough hands. He came with wrinkles on his face. He worked out in the sun. He probably had really strong forearms, right? Right, because he typed so much. No, just kidding. I'm like, I have really. Uh, no, I don't, right? But he came with rough hands, and I, and I love Luke's description of Jesus in Luke 7.34. And this is the weirdest. Luke 7.34. He said this, the son of man came eating and drinking, right? The son of man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. This verse is crazy. I love it. This is how they saw Jesus. How did Jesus come? He came eating and drinking, and people called him a glutton because he was eating and drinking all the time, a drunkard and a friend of sinners, tax collectors and sinners, because he liked to go to parties. I'm just telling you, I know, we, we have like Jesus in a suit. That's how we like to see Jesus, right? He's the dude in a suit doing, he's the accountant. No, he's the guy at every party with tax collectors and sinners and teachers. He, he that's how he came, eating and drinking. Say eating and drinking. So Jesus came and he did meals, right? He liked to eat. Who likes to eat? That's right. That is like the spirit, that is like the Christian, that's like the pastoral pastime. What do you want to do? Let's eat, right? Hallelujah. It's like this, this thing that I do a lot, and you can tell I don't miss many meals. I like me some meals, right? And, and Jesus came eating and drinking. I'm an expert at eating and drinking. I don't miss meals, but it's surprising how many times the Bible speaks of meals and dinners and drinks. And in the New Testament, meals were more than food. In the New Testament, meals was an event that lasted hours. Meals, it's funny because if you go to a restaurant now, they try to get you in and out, right? Immediately they come to your table. They're like, are you, are you finished? Can I take that plate away from you? You're like, I'm, I was still eating that. How many of you guys, you're like, I, I still wanted that last piece of whatever, right? And, but every, everything is so quick in our society. But in this society, meals took hours long, and you were face to face with people. I was in Ethiopia uh, a couple years back, and I, I think it was last year in, in January. I was in Ethiopia, and they have this thing called a coffee ceremony. And they would, if me and you had beef, we would sit in a coffee ceremony staring at each other drinking coffee. And, and, and people in the village would do this coffee ceremony until their beef was done. They sat together, and they, are you mad at me still? He's like, yes. Then he's like, here's some more coffee, huh? And then, then you'd be like, are you still mad? I'm like, uh-huh. And you'd pour some more coffee. Until this was worked out, they would spend hours because it was that important to work things out. It was that important to get resolve in your life. So in a, in a meal in the New Testament, it was more than just eating together and running out to do your thing. Meals were the thing you wanted to do. They got together, right, and did meals, doing life together. It was an invitation for people that you loved. It was an invitation for people you didn't even know, and it was an invitation of belonging, of belonging. The purpose of meals was not just to eat, but to create moments of deep communion and connection with one another, to be more human. Say that, to be more human. I think God calls us to be more human. 
We, we, we are so robotic sometimes that we don't want to stop. And, and we see a need, and we are like, I need to pass by because I'm so busy. How, how, how many have ever saw a need, and you're like, I should do something, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go by, right? When, when you see, like, I seen people, like, pulled over to the side, and you know that person cannot fix that, fix that tire. Or you know that they're in need. They're crying in their car, and you're like, I need to go because I'm busy. I'm busy. And, I, and, and this a meal was a moment you stopped to be more human, a glimpse of divinity in the ordinary. In the New Testament, the Christians believed you could experience and encounter God best in the context of a meal. Very interesting. While breaking bread. Here we go. While breaking bread, breaking bread, if anytime you read it in the Bible, it wasn't just a moment of like uh, breaking bread and then moving on. No, it was a moment of saying like we're going to do something together and we're going to wait. We're going to eat. In Ethiopia, their bread is like this big. And everyone has to like, I was like trying to consume. I was like, I cannot eat any more of this bread. It's this thick and this big. And they don't have money to give you that sort of bread. It's a and so it's crazy. I should talk in the mic so people online can hear me. It's a celebration. And, and it's funny. Uh, us, uh, uh, I feel like, like this pressure to eat as much as possible. I'm like, I cannot eat any more of this bread. But if I don't eat it, what are they going to do with it? I feel bad. So I just start consuming as much bread as possible and coffee as possible until I am just so hyper and I just start talking. Right? But they, in the New Testament, they broke bread and they did life together. And it's crazy. You see that all over the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In, Gen- in Revelation 19, it speaks of heaven, that there will be a great banquet of celebration, a party, something to look forward to. And with understanding of all the meals in the Bible, please go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, that's right. I'm going to speak to you more about the early church, about uniting, about growing, and about changing your world. Acts 2, 42 to 47. They're going to throw it up there as well. And I'm going to start reading. They, they meaning the New Testament believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And, and to what? What does it say? Fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Three really important things. They devoted themselves. Say devoted. Devotion is so important to faith. It doesn't, you can't have one without the other. You can't say, I believe and have no devotion. It's like saying to me, saying to my wife, I love you, but I have no devotion to you. That's karate chop to the neck, all right? You can't say things like that. Devotion, you cannot separate that from your faith. You can't just believe it and have no devotion because then your belief is just imaginary. It's metaphorical. It's something you think about, but it's not act upon, right? And we told you there was a Jewish proverb, to know and not to act is not to know at all. To know and not to act is not to know at all. And that is a proverb that's really working through my life right now. But devotion, devotion to the teaching and prayer, to togetherness, and to food. I like that devotion. They have food devotion, right? Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles that were the students of Jesus. All the believers were together. Once again, they said together, reminding us together is important, right? They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone 
who had need. And we're like, that's extreme. That's extreme, John. But I want to tell you this. They were so close and they cared for one another so much that if little Mortimer had an emergency, people were ready and willing to help. And they were willing to take care of little Mortimer's need with their own dollar, with their own possession. They were willing to sell what they had to meet the need of another, right? This is natural when you have deep, devoted relationships with people. It's natural. When Brooklyn was in the hospital, their kids were at my house like it was nothing. That was normal. You know why? Because we're devoted to one another in fellowship, in life, in breaking of bread, in prayer, and in seeking God. And when there's that sort of devotion, when something goes wrong, you're in. You don't care. You don't question that. I'm in. You got a problem, I'm there. If your car is stuck in Nebraska, I'll call AAA for you, right? But I'm in. You can put that on my dime because I care for you. I love you. That is devotion. They were devoted. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together. Third time it says together. In the temple courts, they broke bread. Again, they broke bread. In their homes, they ate together with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Then look what happens. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a powerful picture of the early church. The church that Jesus had in mind. And I just want to ask, when, you, when, you're, when we're reading through this, do we have that sort of people devotion in our lives? And are we devoted to someone that deeply, some people, a group of people that deeply, that they just show up? Because that, I, I want to say, ask you that, do you have that in your life? Do we have that sort of a community in our life, the picture of what Jesus had in mind? Because it can be, you can have that in your life. You can have it. I'm telling you, this is an absolute reality for your life of a beautiful picture of community. I'm not trying to downplay what we have today, but I'm not trying to put us on blast, but rather I long for you and I to have such a spiritual tribe that is devoted to one another that if you are in need, I'm there. And I want to tell you this, uh, the, the leaders of this church can't do it alone. That It is impossible to take care of 200, 300 people. To, do, there has to be an intermingling of lives. The beauty of me being life on life with somebody is so important for you. But rather, I long for this for you, that people are submitted to God together they're spiritually disciplined, saying, I want to seek God with you. I want to read God's word with you. I want to pray with you. Last night we were praying together, and it was like, I thought it was just going to be a quick ending prayer. And then 40 minutes later of seeking God together, there was such a peace in the room and peace in our hearts. And then we ate pizza together. That's right. And it was on a purpose greater than us. And I long for that for your life. So much so. They did this. The New Testament church did this so much that it over the very presence of God would overflow in their coming together. The very presence of God would overflow into their families and into their neighborhoods. And people would look at their lives and say, I need that. I want that. How can I have that? And it purpose, intimacy, and eternity. But here's the conundrum for all of us. All of us who live in the United States, which is all of us, all right? This is the conundrum. Our current reality 
is radically counter to this spiritual reality, isn't it? We don't want, we, we want independence, not interdependence. Our world worships, our culture worships independence, isn't it? We have songs of like how independent I am, how I don't need you, how I don't need you, right? And it's crazy. Our worship, our work, there's a worship of independence, financial independence. I got me. I don't need you. I did this myself. I hear that and I laugh. You didn't do that yourself. Your parents didn't help you. Your neighbors didn't help you. Your educators didn't help you. God didn't bless you with the gifts that you have, right? We, didn't, we, didn't, we don't make ourselves. That's crazy talk. There has always been interdependence. And then we look at ourselves and look, say, we give ourselves an applause. I'm not saying look down on yourself, but come on, please. You have not made yourselves. We were always made and shaped by the people surrounding us. It's true. Independence, right? We want relational independence. I do my thing and you do your thing. We, we love less commitment, less devotion, less submission, less meeting together. Yet how is that working out for us? How is that working out for you and me? When we have less of this and less connection in a culture of abundance where independence is praised, where we have access to everything, we live in the richest culture there has ever been. So if you think you're poor, you, have, you are living in the richest culture that has ever been. Kings have not eaten the food you have eaten. Think about that. Kings have not have access to what you have access to. I don't care what you make, uh, but you are the richest society that has ever lived on this earth. It's crazy to think about. And in this culture of abundance where we don't need nobody, where unemployment is low, where crime is low, where we, got, we can keep away from people, we got caller ID, folks. When someone calls us and we don't want to talk to them, we can say, you know what, I missed your call. No, caller ID. Caller ID, right? We got texting. We, we, get, we can say all we need to say in like 120 characters unless you're my wife and there's like five texts coming down the line. And I'm like, I just read the first one, babe. I just read the first one. And we have drive-throughs, right? We have drive-through everything. Drive-through everything. We have click lists at a King Supers. You, can, you don't need to even see anyone to get your groceries, right? We have Amazon. We have Amazon. Everything is delivered to your house. We have garages as our front door now. Isn't that crazy? And we have higher fences. Higher fences and garages. While we get less human, People are feeling more alone. It's crazy. Paul and I talked about this. It's crazy to live in a society where we have abundance, we have everything, where, where people are feeling more alone than ever before. Than ever before. Where people are feeling more isolated than ever before. And it's common. It's common that no one knows you. That's common. It's common to have a thousand followers on Instagram, but have no one to talk to on a bad day. That's common. That's crazy. I call that social poverty. We might not face poverty, poverty, physical poverty, but we're facing social poverty, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. You're hearing of more suicides, more drug overdoses, more of these things, people all alone, and it's crazy. Can we meet this? This society needs what the Bible calls the church as the church. I'm telling you. See, in the culture of independence, we need Jesus followers to be Jesus followers and to be dependent. Think about this. We cannot have what God desires us to have by living totally sanitized lives. 
coldly sanitized lives. To be a Jesus follower, you need to learn dependence. Say dependence. To be a Jesus follower, I know you hate this. And this might, you might you know, go on, John, keep going. No, you need to learn dependence. I'm going to stay on this. To be a Jesus follower, you need to learn dependence. Because you know what? Just like you need people, think about how many people need you. Just like you have bad days, if you think you got it together, think of all the people that radically long just for a conversation with you. Dependence, interdependence, personal, communal relationships. Jesus has never called us to a personal relationship with God. Never. It's funny because American Christianity is like, well, how's your personal relationship with Jesus? Never once in the Bible has it say personal relationship with Jesus, even though we use that verbiage. It has always been a communal relationship with God. How do we discover more about God? How do we read God's words? Together. How do we pray? Together. How do we eat? Together. Because that's how we grow. So what is God trying to show us in all this? John, hurry, hurry, hurry up, right? What is God, what is the small steps that we can do in our life to follow Jesus in how he lived? And if you have a pen, a paper, or a phone, or whatever, I want you guys to write some steps down. Number one, break more bread. Say that with me. Break more bread. Break more bread. Do more of this. When you are eating, invite someone in. Invite someone into the table. There's, sometimes I will eat like lunch with somebody and I'll ask a stranger, do you want to eat with me? Most of the time they say no. They're like, no. <laughs> Are you sure? You, you look like you want to eat with me. That's why. And they're like, they think I'm strange, but I am strange, right? It's okay. I don't, I don't care. Invite someone with you. Share a meal. Understand the spiritual significance to be known. Be intentional in creating moments to be with people. Be with people. And I know rejection's scary. I know it's scary. But look, if you think you need deep connection, what about the people around you? I'd rather be rejected than reject someone who really needs me. I think about that when I don't want to make a call. Because there's moments I'm like, oh, I don't want to make this call because it's going to be tough. But I would rather be rejected than reject someone who needs me. Love people right next to you. I was, I was talking to Heidi and Franco yesterday, and I have this magnet on my door, and it has my neighbor's names on it, right? I'm weird like that. I know you're going to be weird with me in May, all right? But I have their names all over it. And, and uh, we were talking, and, and Heidi and Franco, they, they know some names. They know some names. Heidi laughs. Like two names. I mean, it's crazy. I know five, six couples' names, right? I know six people in my block. I've lived there six years. And, the, and they were like, oh, you know a lot of your neighbors. I, I, I'm like, Heidi, I've lived here six years. And I know six people who live around me. How crazy is that? Can we love the people right next to you? It's funny because we understand love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. We understand the concept of it. But do you even know your neighbor? I was like, nope. I know, I know six of them. Right? Can we love our neighbor right next to us as if God placed us there on purpose? Love the person next to you. Number two, build bigger tables. Build bigger tables. I love this quote. When you have more than you need, build a bigger table and not a higher fence. When you have more than you need, 
build a bigger table and not a higher fence. I mean, how much more do we need? I did not say want. Want would be the list would go on, right? We want a lot of stuff. But how much do we need? And as we look at our circle of influence, people God has put us in their lives on purpose, can we bring them to the table of God? If there's a table that you stand on, can we bring people to the table of God? Can we expand the table of Jesus and build bigger tables like bridges? People who need Jesus, people who need to be known, people who need healing, people who need salvation, people who need someone to listen to. Someone just needs someone to listen to, right? Who in this room just needs someone to listen to them sometimes, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's crazy. I listen to a lot of people, and I'm like, I'm about to lose my mind. I just need to blab for about an hour, right? I need someone just to listen to me, someone who needs salvation, someone who needs to just say, hey, watch me do this. Because there's people in our lives, and there's young men and young women who are like, I don't know how to do this. And they need someone in their lives and saying, watch me do this. Like, just watch me do this. How to parent, watch me do this. How to deal with money, watch me do this. How to live out faith, watch me do this. And then you do this. I want to see how you do it. That's what God has called us to. Jesus brought us to the table, all done by him. We have feasted on his love and on his grace. Now it's time for us to take the leaf out of your table and expand the table of God. I wish I would have brought someone's table and brought a leaf out. Your job and my job is to add to the table of God, to expand this thing as long as it can go. That is our job with the table of God, to break more bread, to throw more parties, to build bigger tables and bring people to the table of God. Number three, be more devoted. This is what I call covenant community, and they're going to watch this video if they have this. I hope they have it. There we go. God has come into our hearts and changed us. We all had a story, a past, a shame, but he came in and washed us clean. And now life and love look really different. Welcomed into a new family, we're now surrounded by brothers and sisters, and we are heirs, fellow heirs with Christ. We all have the same purpose, to love God and to love each other. The word of God is constantly on our lips as we counsel, console, and correct one another. We relentlessly encourage one another to read our Bibles daily, trusting and obeying scripture in all that we do, for God's word is the true source of life. We share what we have, our time, our homes, our things, our money, so that no need would go unmet. Our Savior taught us that it is better to give than to receive, even when our own needs are high, and even then, we trust in the Lord's provision. We watch out for each other and have each other's backs. We don't turn away when things get hard, but instead, come in closer and don't hold back. We celebrate new life and new seasons together, laughing and feasting with streaming tears and tight embraces. We endure unimaginable sorrows together weeping and mourning with streaming tears and tight embraces. We do not seek to remain to ourselves. We're always looking, always praying, always desiring for God to add more to our fold. There's always more room around our table. What we believe and how we live our lives has to match up. 
because we cannot say that we love God and then hate our brother. For this is the greatest testimony of Christ to the world. God's love for us, demonstrated in our love for one another, displayed to a world that so desperately needs him. We are committed to covenant community. Be more devoted. The guys are going to come up and they're going to start passing out the sacraments which represent the final day at the Lord's table. And I want to ask you this, as we're closing up, who needs rest today? Anyone just need rest? Man, rest for your souls. I'm not, I'm not talking about a physical rest, but a peace for your heart, for a peace for your purpose. There's some of us that are just radically looking for identity, and we need to find that in Christ. There's some of us that is radically looking for purpose and for something more to this life. And I want to tell us that it's not found in you and me. I'm telling you. Talk to someone who's older than you. They will tell you that you cannot find purpose within yourself. Ask anyone. It's crazy because when you're young, they said, oh, do you. Do your passions. Do whatever you need to do. Do what makes you feel good. And when you're older, you're like, man, that was really bad advice, right? I need some discipline in my life. I need people in my life that love me, that can work with me as I'm, like, trying to figure out who I am in Christ. Man, as we walk this walk of faith, Jesus asks us to come to the table. Right now, I'm going to read you just a bunch of verses from the Bible. And you guys can stand with me once you receive your... your, your your cup and your bread. You guys can come with me. Just stand. Who needs rest today? Who's tired today? When you receive it, just close your eyes. Who needs peace today? Who needs strength today? And to be honest, I do. I do. I don't know about you, but my life can get so crazy. And I can hold a lot of anxiety. I can hold a lot of things into my life, and I can struggle with that. I can struggle with God. It's just not relying on God at all, trying to carry everything by myself. And at some point, we start to break apart. I'm going to read you some verses that Jesus says to us. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and you will learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In John, Jesus says to us, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, your life will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present, uh, pre- present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, the peace of God that you can't understand why you have peace in the craziness of life, that transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, John 16, 33, I love this. I have told you these things, and Jesus is talking to his students, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. That's a promise. You will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart. I have have overcome the world. I got you. I got you. I know the end of the story. If you would just come to my table and just remain there, sit with me and trust me. God is trying to teach us to rest in him. And maybe that's the hardest thing for you. I don't know. I took this anxiety test this week. And I am all over the place. I, am, I have to go, 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 go. I have to do, 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 right? Because then I feel like I'm doing something because I'm doing so much. I'm like, look what I'm doing, God. I'm doing for you. And that's the kind of person I am. And then sometimes I can't just rest. I can't just rest. But it's funny. It's funny how things happen. This week I went to the doctor because I was feeling pressure in my chest. And so I took an EKG and I took a blood test and I did all these things. And they're like, you're just stressed out, dude. You have too much anxiety you're holding. And I can't feel it in my brain, but my body is starting to break down. It's like, it's like you're, you can't hold it, man. You can't hold it. So I'm trying to figure out myself how to rest in God. And if I need to do that, I know we need to do this. So I'm going to God, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to take on his rest. See, right now as we take communion, This bread, it represents the body of Christ. It represents the Passover at the table of God. We are all at the table of God, taking a meal together symbolically with Jesus. And it represents our past, our present, and our future. It represents the past of what God did for Israel when they were in Egypt. That was when the first Passover happened. The cries of Israel, God heard their cries, right? And God heard their cries of brokenness, oppression. And he heard their cries and he gave them a way out. And he gave them a sacrificial provision. And he says, take a lamb and you slay it, put it on the doorpost. And, and, and that is your sign of faith. Because there's some people who didn't do that. God's like, do this. And it looks crazy, but do it. So they sacrificed the lamb. They put it on the wooden doorpost. And whoever was in the doorpost, the judgment of God, it was the justice of God. Because when God's justice comes, it will come both for the Jew and for the Gentile and for the Egyptian. And whoever is in the house and covered by the blood of land will be saved. When the justice of God comes on our life on that one judgment day, it is not by your ethnicity or what you believe uh, totally just like, uh, but it has to be a move of faith of saying, I am in Christ and you have to be under the blood of the lamb. And then in the same day, it is not only our past, but it's our present because today we face oppression and brokenness, sin, and fear, and we need God to free us, cover us, because we can't do it 
ourselves. We need Jesus. And I love this last one. It represents our future. It's a meal of the future that one day there will be a great feast in heaven. And one day we will celebrate with Jesus face to face. And all things will be made right. And all things will be made new. And one day we will be whole with him. So as we take this meal together, take it all in. Come to the table of God fully understanding of what Jesus has done, what he's doing, and what he will do. Break more bread, build bigger tables, be more devoted, and be more dependent on him and one another. On that night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And you guys can break it. I always break my bread. And he said to his students that he dearly loved, and he's saying to us today, this is my body that was broken for you. Anytime you come together, anytime you take a meal, it is in symbolic reference to what I have done. And he says, it's been broken for you, so you don't need to be broken. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. God, your body was so broken for us. Let us never forget the realities of the cross, God. That was our cross to bear. On the same night, he took a cup. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. And it's symbolic of what would be done, poured out for Jesus. And it's crazy, I wasn't going to say this. But there was no Passover lamb that night. Normally during Passover, there's a lamb. But Jesus himself would be that lamb the next day. And I want to tell you, Jesus is your Passover lamb, meaning that he has covered you. When you're in Christ, you are free. When you're in Christ, you have enough strength. You have rest. It's time for us to trust in his strength and not ours, and his blood and not ours. I know it's crazy for you who are not, who have not grown up in this, but it's, it's just symbolic of what Jesus has done for us. He said, this is my blood in the new covenant. As you come together and eat meals, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. Heavenly Father, we thank you of what you've done on the cross. You are our Passover lamb. And I pray that we would break more bread, Lord God, that we would step out in bold moves, in bold faith, to break more bread, to literally build bigger tables in our lives, Lord God, to be more devoted and to be more interdependent on one another. God, speak to our hearts today. And as we go, we go, Lord God, understanding what you have done and I pray, let it empower us to what we are going to do. Let us not just live for ourselves. We have a greater purpose of the mission of God, of bringing people to the table of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. God bless you. And as you go, man, make sure to take five of these and pass it out. Make sure that you invite people to come with you. Let that be a big deal for you. And take part in what God is doing to expand his table. God bless you.